Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. Rivalry week edition, I'm guessing. We got some rivals this week, MWR.com. But, Matt, we have tons of rivals, so it's not just one rivalry week. We have all the rivalry weeks. This is true. Get all the, the uh, what is it, the, the Dick Tomey trophy on the line? Oh, it's true. Got yeah, the Fremont Cannon on the line. The best trophy in college football, right? Fremont Cannon, perhaps? Yeah, so for you know, for those of you who are thinking, oh well, championship Saturday is already set. There's not not a lot of meaning this week. Well, uh, you're right. See you later. Peace out. <laughs> no podcast this week. <laughs> well, the shortest podcast ever, right? Just saying, uh, there is some stuff to play for. Bull jockeying position. Also, Matt, I guarantee you there's going to be coach bonus out there if they get to win seven or eight to get an extra ten grand. There you <laughs> That's go. That's probably out there, right? There's something. I don't think there's a. Uh, Oh crap! Um, UConn former coach, crap. Who? Randy Etzel. Randy Etzel. Out there. Yeah, I'm like he got like a bonus for winning the coin toss. Red zone oh, appearances, yeah, like huh? a grand. It's like, what were you nickel and a diamond Huskies? But whatever. This weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. So we're recording a touch earlier. Obviously, like every show is possibly doing for on demand media. Why go early? Or why go late? Wednesday, Thursday. We're going Tuesday night recording this, which isn't too much earlier math than what we normally do for MWR.com, but just a, maybe a touch. We got three games Friday, three games Saturday, Thanksgiving, 
no games for the Mountain West this year, which we've had a couple the past few years. Like I think Air Force and CSU played once or twice. But uh, it's a good, nice spread out where you can watch these games and basically whatever other games you want. You can watch some NFL on set, on Thursday if you're into that type of thing. The uh, no mm-hmm. less fun called less fun football, right? Am I got yes? That is correct. All right, let's just get the games. Anything or actually, do we need to do any Thanksgiving uh, hot takes? I'd rather let's get the football. No, let's, the let's get to the football. We'll we'll save that for another time. Well, it's off season. We got plenty of time, right? Because this is our last exactly. full full on preview. So, oh boy, where does it go? Game one, Utah State versus Boise State. Ten a.m. local time, Matt. It's going to be so cold in Boise on the blue turf. Turf, excuse me. It's going to be about right around freezing. CBS over there, typical regular old CBS. Utah State going to Boise State. Broncos are a. Uh, I am surprised. Did you see it's sixteen and a half points for the Broncos? I am a little surprised. I I'm wonder surprised if you, perhaps they're two underselling two Utah State a little bit. That's what I'm getting at. They're probably underselling Utah State a little bit, but also outside of Boise's, Boise's only had, I guess, three games, but they've been. If you want to look at like beating the spread, they've been kind of inconsistent or kind of fifty-fifty. They blow mm-hmm. Nevada. They lose to BYU, which I don't rec- I don't think they're favored in that one, but whatever, close, close game. But they blow out CSU, they blow out Fresno, and, but they've been kind of hit or miss, like 50-50 if you want to go over like against the spread. I don't have the exact numbers, which would be nicer to have, but they have a lot of blowouts and then a couple blowouts. When they play good teams that are solid, they're not blowing them out like BYU, Wyoming. Outside of Fresno State, San Diego State, when they play a good team, it's usually pretty close, or they lose like Oregon State. So it's kind of well, like – Seems like a lot, I think, for what Boise's been doing. That and you know the Aggies, especially on offense, have really sort of found their footing in the last couple of weeks. You know, against Hawaii and in San Jose State. And another thing, which I think we'll probably talk about with with regards to at least a couple of games this weekend, because a lot of things are already set. You know, we already know Boise State's the Mountain Division champion. We already know they're going to be hosting the title game at Albertson Stadium on December 3rd. So how much are we actually going to see of the Broncos and their starters? Because it's, it's a much different situation than it was when, when the, when these very same Aggies were playing for the mountain division title this time last year, you know, for those who, for those who don't immediately recall, it was your Boise state and San Diego state, I believe was the first game that it kicked off on Friday. But by the time Utah state took the field in New Mexico, you know, San Diego State had sort of gained the upper hand on the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Things broke their way. Utah State won the championship while they were still playing, basically. And it ended up that I think, if I remember correctly, most of the starters ended up playing a full three quarters against the Lobos. I would think but, there's no New York Six implication either. No. it So there's none of that stuff going on. So... A couple of things I think we'll see. That's what will make these games predicting kind of a little bit trickier because literally every no no team can become bowl eligible. You have some rivalry games. Actually, you have yeah, Dick Tommy Trophy, but obviously a big one, Nevada UNLV for the biggest trophy in college football, Fremont Cannon. Mm-hmm. Um, Utah State, Boise, sort of rival, but Boise's kind of owned that for the most part. They've been typically yes. winning. But what with the new newish rule of what players can play for without redshirting, I wonder how much – um, two, two, twofold. My answer here: How many younger guys will get playing time? Will they'll play this week, 
and possibly the bowl game, depending where they're at least keep. Well, there's two ways to look at it. Sorry. Guys could be entering game three of their keeping their registered eligibility to be able to keep the year. They might play mm-hmm. this game, which makes sense. Boise's probably odds are not going to play too many younger guys next week because they have something to play for to win a conference title. So those guys who might get some extra PT this week won't do it next week in the bowl game. It's always up in the air on that. Who's healthy? Who's going to play? Who's not going to play? But you think that's that's kind of a game you're out there to win. So this is most likely the last chance to see these young guys to play a game where the result doesn't matter, but it's still real-life football. Yeah. So I'm wondering, are we going to see how much George Shalani are we going to see? How much of a guy who's kind of banged up may or may not play? It's like, all oh, 50-50. We'll sit out and be ready for the title game when it really matters. So I do wonder how much of the – not even guys who are going to – preserve red shirts and can play an extra game because this might be their third or fourth game, but just backups in general who might get more playing time, which for Boise's sake would help them next week. If he's got getting healthy and getting guys some more live reps and the coach may, Hey, this guy practices just okay. But look what he does in the game against a, a Utah state team, which is surging that was one in four at one point, I believe after getting shellacked by Alabama and Weber state. And they actually play well in games. There's guys who do better when something's on the line, even with this game, not really having any stakes in it, but if it, but it's still a real game, you want to show up. So I wonder how many yeah. guys those like, hey, you might get you normally get five or ten reps, you might get fifteen to twenty next week because you showed up or something. Conversely, though, you know the other thing is, yeah, you want to you know, try and manage risk as best you can, but like for a lot, of, especially on Boise State side of things, because this is the final home game of the year. You know, this That's is going to be the last chance for a lot of the the veterans on this team to play in front of the home crowd. And Boise State, as it happens, is a very, very senior-heavy team. You know, Billy Bowens, John Rajuku, uh, Garrett Coran, Cade Beresford, Ezekiel Noah, DJ Sher. Like, all of these guys are, like, seniors, redshirt seniors, 60-year seniors, super seniors, all of that. Like, and that that has been, I think, uh, an, an asset that has helped them climb their way back to the top of the Mountain West. But I do think that they're they're going to try and strike a balance somehow between you know keeping everybody fresh for the title game, but also giving these guys their due by letting them play things out on the field against a, a good Utah State opponent. Yeah, we look at good teams like Cooper Lagos played quite well since he's been back from injury. Um, you have uh, Brian Cobbs, you have Calvin Tyler Jr., who's really really good at running the football. He's going to crack a thousand yards most likely this week if I if my math is correct. One of the best mm-hmm. rushing attacks out there. He's sitting at uh, 976, 978, excuse me, should get it quite easily. So there's obviously talent out there, but if those guys, I assume you just didn't want to play their guys just because, uh, unless they're like not healthy. But then again, you have, we'll get to bull, we'll talk about bull stuff here. Cause this show, what we're getting to, folks, it's more generalities because some stuff we may not know. Literally, it's like, are they going to play their third string quarterback just because they're going to reps mm-hmm. in a game like New Mexico CSU could be quite interesting when we get to that one. But it's going to be like if we kind of we'll frame it as, yeah, we expect guys to play. We're kind of guessing a little bit because it's early in the week and travel wise and news wise a bit slower for the holiday week. But I would my guess gut would be Utah State would probably play their guys just because it's a still a pretty big game. You're on regular CBS. It's a big game. It's early. So it's cold, which is interesting. But I just think Utah State will play more of the guys than Boise State. Boise would rather. Not that they're going to lose, but also an undefeated conference slate is pretty impressive going 8-0. Yeah. 
That's There's true. things to play for. They want to get to 10 wins possibly in the season. This will go a big way if you're nine and three. So you can either go two and oh, obviously title game, bowl game, or split those. 10 wins is a pretty big deal. The program hasn't had that in a couple of years. If I recall, they can pull mm-hmm. it up real quick, but there are things to play for where they're not just, it's not gonna, we're not getting as not gonna be a glorified scrimmage. There's gonna be guys playing hard and all the key, most of the key players out there. It's just yeah. look who's been banged up here. Uh, yeah. there. What's the point? Risk, like you mentioned, min- mitigating the risk in the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's sort of, I think you're going to see probably most of the starters play most of the game on both sides. But I, I can see a possibility where this game ends up being a showcase for some younger guys who started to take off larger roles in the second half of the year, too. So, like, for example, on Boise State side of things, Eric McAllister, who we talked about a little bit in the offseason is sort of one of these up-and-coming former three-star you know, one of the legion of, of pass catchers that Boise State's recruited over the last few years. You know, he's flashed here and there over the last month or so. So, like, maybe in the second half of the game, someone like him gets a lot more run. Or for Utah State, for example, you know, someone like Max Alford on their defense, who's started to see more playing time in November. And I think other than Hunter Reynolds, um, he's one of the team's leading tacklers over the last month. You know, 16 tackles, eight solo altogether. So I think it is probably going to be a game that is played mostly straight, but I can see where like, if it looks like the result is tilting one way or the other, that both teams might turn to their depth to try and just play out that string. Yeah. And get guys out there that normally don't play, especially because they've senior night, they try to get guys out there exactly. a little bit just to see what could go on. But we look at the game itself. Like let's kind of assume 85% of the main players are going to play. I think that's fair okay. to say. So we look at this, like Boise's been their undefeated league play. Utah State streaking after terrible starts. And they've had to go with Davenport. They've had the loss, obviously, Logan Bonner. They had to bring out um, Levi Williams, who had the ankle injury. They've won, what, three in a row, five, five of six. And Wyoming was a loss. That's fine. But what was Utah State? Like, I think they're going to want to be more explosive. They've been averaging about 30 points a game minimum, almost 30 points a game since the one we lost. Or excuse me, mm-hmm. the past three games, Paul, Paul is looking at the one we score. They didn't put up points versus New Mexico, whatever, 27. 41 versus Hawaii, but they needed that defense has been the kind of issue giving up points in 35 to San Jose State. So my mind, this would be more of a, a shootout in this game. Utah State's defense, they make plays, but they're not overly great at not giving up points. They give up too many points, I'm getting that. Like they need to make more plays, turnovers, stop Boy State, which remember we talked about last week, Wyoming's defense obviously is elite, but Boise's offense at times has stumbled or took a minute to get going when they play really good defense. The first half for San Diego State, part of the Wyoming game a little bit, despite guys like Skinner getting a couple INTs and what three overall in that game. So there is mm-hmm. an opportunity where Bo- if Boise State offense stumbles a little bit, that could give Utah State a chance to go because I think there'll be a lot of points. If over under 51, I think that's way too low. I think it'll be first to 30 and be reasonably close. Like, there's no way this is more than two touchdown game, which is projected. I think with what Cooper got can do and Cobbs have been stepping up, yeah, challenge Skinner, see what you can do. It eh, may or may not go your way, but I think Utah State, Utah State has enough weapons. They'll get some points in this game. I don't think that's an issue. But again, Boise's defense, I think the. In the broadcast, I'm not sure if John fought, whatever was last week, FS1 or CBS, I forget. Within conference play, their numbers defensively, I believe, are like number one in the nation in most major categories. Mm-hmm. And so they're I mean, I a, a legit defense there. And so Utah State will make their moves, but it'll be tough. 
I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree. I think that, okay. you know, two big things for Utah State in particular. One, they've got to defend the run because they've improved on the aggregate from from non-conference play to conference play. But they still haven't exactly been great at defending the run. You know, on the season, they've held three different opponents to under three yards per carry or, or three yards per carry or fewer. But at the same time, they've also allowed more than six and a half yards per carry to two other teams, Wyoming and Hawaii. And even if, you know, Avalos and and Dirk Cutter give Hawani and Genty a little more rest than usual, you know, that that might just mean more of a dose of uh, a former Utah State running back, Laleon Noah and Tyler Crow instead. And both yeah, of those guys good. have been recently productive this year, too. So... I, what I want to see is the Aggies get back to you know trying to make teams one dimensional because that was really what drove a lot of their success a few weeks ago against San Jose State in particular. Um, and then the other thing is too avoiding turnovers because we just saw what what JL Skinner and company can do yeah. if opponents make big mistakes like that. Um, and and one of the things that I think I sort of glossed over when we were talking about last week's victory over, over the Spartans, I looked it up after the fact and I saw that Utah state, they were minus three, you know, three, three giveaways, zero takeaways. Not only were they the first team in four years to do that, it was only the 13th time in mountain West history that that had happened. And so they, they really like, that's a really difficult thing to do. And so one of the other things is just, you know, Cooper Legault in particular, He's been better from week to week, but at the same time, his interception rate is still above 4%. So I think that ability to avoid those kinds of killer mistakes and, and giving the Broncos short fields, it's going to start under center with him taking care of the football and making and making good decisions. Yeah, Utah State for the season has, um, oh, sorry, interception loss. They're by, by far, they're not all him because they play multiple guys, but they're worse than ter- interceptions a lot, 16. They're at the bottom, basically, in turnover margin. They're second to last behind Hawaii, minus five in the year. Uh, one thing that could be helpful to turnover margin, look at Boise State a little bit. They are they're plus one, which is fine, and they've lost 15 overall. So they're, kind of, they're not great, but they're nowhere near what you thought. There's a seven turnover difference. So yeah. if, if in this game, that's, I don't know what, maybe one turnover. They're Boise's basically, sorry, Boise's, yeah, .09 per game, well, plus one. So they're not bad, but they're just kind of whatever. But minus five and what the players they have on defense, because this is going to be – when Utah State played Wyoming, they could not move the ball very well and only scored 14 points. But I believe that they have – I think they had Davenport in that game a couple weeks ago. But this defense – yeah, Bishop Davenport. But this defense is better than Wyoming's by – not a lot, but there's it's a little bit better, I would say. And I don't know if Cobbs can get it done, if Tyler can get it done. If like, oh, you got to be safe with the ball. And – on the other side, if we go to Boise's offense, like I expect Taylor Green to play a lot just because he's still a younger guy out there and Dirk Cutter's making some good plays and allowing him to run when he needs to. Uh, I just wonder what running backs will play for Boise State because we've there's been offensive line shuffling throughout most of the year and the running game's been pretty good for the most part. There's always been a couple games here or there. But I do think they want to solidify that if they're able to keep the same unit from last week to this week and then next week as well. So I wonder if those guys will probably play the majority of the typical snaps and help Polani or Genty or whoever else gets the ball. But like you mentioned, Noah, those guys. So I think there'll be a lot of points. I think there'll be a decent amount of points this game. I think Utah State could do enough to get to at least 20 points. 
We'll agree to disagree then. Okay. What do the debates numbers say? Do we, what do we have available for us at this moment? Uh, we have them all available. You know, well, uh, and props to props to Bill Connolly and Brian Fremo and uh, Parker Fleming for pulling pull that together for the for the masses. Uh, SP plus likes Boise State by a fair margin. Um, eighty seven percent win probability, projected margin of nineteen point four. Uh, FEI also likes the Broncos by fifteen point five. And uh, Parker Fleming at Statso War on Twitter. His advanced stats preview gives Boise State an 81.67% win probability, a projected margin of about 32 to 20. What do you say it's going to happen? I do think it'll be a little bit lower scoring. I do think there'll be a little bit of conservatism just trying to keep people healthy going into the postseason. But I do think Boise State's probably going to win, even if they don't cover. I have the Broncos 24 to 17. So fewer points. Yeah. I just think if backups are playing out there, I'm like when I say it's gonna go over, I don't think it's gonna go way over. But I'm leading Boise State like thirty three to twenty, something like that. All right then. So they'll win by about almost two touchdowns. Also you should note bowl stuff as well. Boise's playing for the Kimmel Bowl invite, the prestigious Jimmy Kimmel Bowl invite, if they could win this and next week. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The, I appreciate uh, you throwing the prestigious in there. What's wrong with that? Come on. No, I mean it, it definitely is. You get to hang Conference out with the, with the, the vomiting, the vomiting uh, Kimmel Camel, mascot, right? Is that yeah. called it? The the Kimmel Camel, <laughs> and that, yeah, and that want, magnificent sandwich weird. that they had. Yeah, what, what's not to like? It's a great, great point in SoFi. Hey, you know it could be better than the Rams or Chargers in SoFi. They've been both sucking it this year. At least the Rams more specifically. Exactly. Uh, I don't. Where is Utah State going to go? Do we have any clue? Because I kind of make bull. I put projections, but they're kind of guesses sometimes. So, like, if we talk bowl stuff for a second and we'll go through these, we have the uh, Kimmel Bowl, number one. Mm-hmm. And then you brought up a good point. There's a guaranteed rate bowl, which could benefit – we'll get that later, but it could benefit the loser of the Mountain's title against the backup. We got the New Mexico mm-hmm. Bowl, obviously, the Arizona Bowl, sponsor redacted, the Hawaii Bowl, <laughs> uh, Potato Bowl, and then a bunch of random other bowls. It's going to be a hodgepodge. You have the Cure Bowl, the Boca Bowl, the First Responder, or the uh, – Frisco Bowl, and we have seven teams that are going bowling that. So that's all. We, that's what we know for sure. That's why we kind of joke not much to play for, as except for jockeying. I just want the best matchups overall for these teams. So we'll see how it goes. Anything like exactly. where do you, you? I put Utah State in the Frisco Bowl just you know just because, and they I put them against Middle Tennessee State. That could be an interesting matchup playing a Sun Belt school, right? Is that where they're at? Middle Middle Tennessee. Um. Is Tennessee still in Conference USA? There's a lot of shuffling going on, but Middle Tennessee State, they're a team I've heard of in college football. I put them going to Texas. That would be a pre-Christmas bowl. Plus, you know what the secret is, Matt? These players prefer pre-Christmas bowls. You know why? You're not practicing over Christmas and missing missing out time with your family. That's fair. So while, so while the Hawaii Bowl has a great venue and location, it's still pre-Christmas, but it's cl- too close to Christmas Day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, do you, what do you think? Any, uh, any dark 
stories you want to see Utah State where they're going? Any idea? I mean, I have a feeling like if because there's six traditional, well, not traditional, but like primary things, right? Primary times. Yes. And there's seven Mountain West teams. I have. I wonder if if Utah will end up Utah State will end up being like one of those teams, like sort of like Nevada was last year. Where you know nobody had any inkling that a Mountain West team would be going to the Quick Lane Bowl, but that's exactly what the Wolfpack did. That's a possibility, I, yes. Yeah, I, I think that Utah State might have enough, you know, cachet that they might, you know, be a draw for something like that if it just works out with sort of the, I don't know, we might call it a shell game of of bull tie-ins and and people going places you yeah. don't always expect. And it also seems to happen at least a- once a year. Like the Armed Forces Bowl, stuff like that. They'll send Air yeah, Force yeah. there just because it makes sense. But also Utah State's been playing well. They want teams that go well. So if Utah State wins, they'd be yeah, only seven and five, but they've been six and two in league play and one, I believe, five and six. Mm-hmm. So they would be a streaking team. They'd rather have that. So we'll see. Some of these are weird guesses, but let's move on to the next game. So the next Friday game. Oh, we didn't mention oh yeah, we did CBS. Next game, CBS Sports Network. This will be a quick preview, Matt. One thirty PM local, New Mexico at CSU. Rams are only a seven and a half point favorite. I say only 35 over under. What is going on here? All these offenses are what, Matt? Can we just say, uh, not good, right? Correct. Outside of maybe, uh, like Morrow, that's about it. Or I guess Tory Horton's really good, but you know, I'm getting at the offenses aren't explosive, really. I'm, I'm a little surprised by that, if only because at least we've seen the Rams be functional on that side of the ball. Yeah. Well, you think it'd be more than seven and a half? I would have thought it might at least be double digits. Have they not seen New Mexico play football recently? Um, Maybe not. I wouldn't blame them. Sorry, guys, but I wouldn't blame them. Like, at least at least the Rams can score a little bit. The Rams have the best player in the field that's not close in Toy Horton. Um, this could be also a chance for if maybe the Rams offensive line can withhold whatever pass rush New Mexico brings to give Clay Millen some time, perhaps. Did you know Clay Millen's eight touchdowns, seven of them were to Troy Horton? That does not surprise me at all. Me neither. I kind of saw that. It stared me in the face. But New Mexico has like no options, in my opinion, to move the ball or stop the ball. They've been shuffling quarterbacks. Their running game might be their best option, but it's not even that good at the moment. The defense has been taking steps back week after week. I just, I honestly, I can agree. I could maybe see the Rams just running away with this one. I mean, I think it, it, I mean, obviously it's going to depend in part, and I I feel like we say this every single week, can they get pressure on Clay Millen? And I think a decent chance. Yeah, I was going to say, with regards to the Lobos, the the answer might be maybe, because it's not like they have been totally hopeless in that regard. Their, Their sack rate, with one game to go is like just outside the top 50 nationally. And they, they've done it with sort of like a committee approach. You know, I don't think they have anybody on the team that has five sacks, but I'm, but I'm trying to count how many have at least, you know, a couple of sacks and they have five different players that have at least two sacks. And so you might see where, you know, there's attacking linebackers, especially guys like Rico Hanna and Cody moon could do some damage but at the same time, if they can't, it's going to put a lot of pressure on a secondary that's 
it, it seems like they've started to break more frequently than they were earlier in the season. And I wonder if that's mostly a function of just, you know, offensive inefficiency sort of leading the way. At the same time, you know, they played three November games. They've still only given up seven plays of more than 20 yards through the air. So we know that Millen and Horton have that capacity to, you know, break things wide open in a hurry. But at the other, at, on the other hand, with the promise that guys like, you know, Justin Ross Simmons, Lewis Brown have, they haven't always been the most reliable pass targets yet. And so there may be a situation where, you know, veteran guys like AJ Odoms, like Dante Martin could get the upper hand and, 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 and Rocky Long could find ways to, you know, have safety help over the top. For example, you know, someone like Jarek Reed could also have a very big game uh, if, if the Rams aren't careful. But it could also be like if they get Millen in rhythm, they just do it by, you know, having him dump off a lot of short passes and forcing New Mexico to make plays out in the open field. Regardless of whether he's had protection or not, you know, I think it's still worth noting. I think we may have mentioned it way back in September, but Millen's completion percentage is still above 70%. Like it's yeah. it's number one in the Mountain West and it's not close. So, you know, between that and between the fact that his yards per attempt average is now all the way up to eight point one, like that's something that's steadily improved over the course of the season as they've been able to stretch the field at least a little more often. And you know, we, we talk we're talking about this Rams offense versus the the, the Lobos defense because it <laughs> seems like. If they could get one or two of those, that might be all they need to have breathing room against a, a New Mexico offense that hasn't had much success at all for like two months. Yeah, they've been so bad, man. If, if this is a chance for either team, this is this is a chance, excuse me, for either team to have a, a potential for a pretty good performance. I know yes. we all lean Rams offense just because of they actually have players out there. But this could be like it's not like the Rams defense anything special. Like, could this be, as you like too much, I realize that all the time, but this could be a situation where, okay, the Mexicans run out there, Justin Holiday, may possibly CJ Montez, I'm not sure. One of those two, maybe they'll have a good game. They'll have opportunity against mm. defense. No? I'm just maybe, saying better. Maybe, better. Okay. I'm saying better. I, I think. So, so I'm that. Okay, so as a unit, the Rams defense has not been great. But they I, they have at least a couple of playmakers who could continue to make life miserable for the New Mexico offense. I think you might be underselling guys like Muhammad Kamara just a little bit, who probably still on the periphery of the defensive player of the year race. You know, he's up to eight and a half sacks on the season now. Yeah. Um, and how many, I'm just looking at he has 15 TFLs. I've, I was thinking it was a couple fewer than that. You know, two forced fumbles, 11 quarterback hurries. So, like, he's been great coming off the edge. And this is still a, a New Mexico offensive line that, you know, I feel like we maybe talked about a little more with Gertz to the Rams and, and Millen getting beating up, getting beaten up. But that offensive line in Albuquerque hasn't held matters at all for that quarterback shuffle either. You know, in terms of sack rate allowed, it really is like, you know, 131 versus 130. Like that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> oh my god! So 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 if you're so what that really comes down to is which quarterback situation do you trust more? I know my answer. I know your answer. Yeah, quarterback. It's easy, right? Rams. Come on. 
and and one or two plays, like I said, that might be all it takes in this one. Tory Horton will have okay, I want to make prediction. He will have he he has exactly one thousand receiving yards at the moment. Mm-hmm. He is in contention. Like he the the player of the year award, maybe that'll be something we kind of get to next week in extra podcast or something, but as for like the best players on offense, he's up there for sure. Him not being a Blitnikoff semifinalist or whatever is a tragedy in itself. Yes. He, I don't think any, well, I'll tell you a minute, but he's up there for being best player in the conference, like by far. Like I know, like the receiver group is underrated in this conference. Like Moreno Copper, 71 catches. Brian Cobb, 63 catches. Horton, 61 catches. All those guys have almost at least five touchdowns. I'm sorry, Cobbs has four, but they're getting six, seven catches a game. They're just not like elite, elite getting like 120 yards receiving, which is hard to do. But yeah. I could see Horton seriously going eight for 160 and two scores, or maybe three scores. That would not surprise me if you're the average. He's already averaged almost 16 and a half yards per, per catch. What Get to 20 is not that far of a stretch. It gets just Lobo's defense. And if, with the, the if opportunity the offensive, to do it too, you know that. Yeah, the offensive line is going to have a not it not gonna be tested as stringent compared to other teams they've gone up against. And we look at Horton like his deep play capability. I'm trying to look at his big place here, but he has trying to see. And he also did you know I forgot he missed the Utah State game as well. And he's leading the league in all his categories. I forgot to I forgot about that. That's and true. I yeah, I just missed that. But he is just I don't have the big play up here, but he makes big play. Sixty nine yards per play for catch, excuse me. Great. He's gonna have a guy I, I seriously think he can get 150 yards, two touchdowns minimum. I'm just saying, like, what are they made some say? Because this game should not be – you're right. I'm talking about it. Rams should be should run away with this. And the Rams could get 35. I know we, the under is typically safe for the Rams. This might be the one game where it may not be safe and they may be able – might be able to do it all on their own to get to 35. So uh, the, the forecasts uh, are a little closer than you probably think it would be. Um SP Plus does like Colorado State, but only a 60% win probability. Projected margin of 4.3. FEI also likes the Rams, uh, 4.8 point margin. And uh, Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview, gives the Rams a 58.32% win probability. Projected margin of 26 to 23. Why do you think those are so close? Because I don't think they'll be that close. The Rams, I mean, Lobo's offense is abysmal. Are they expecting the Rams? Like, why? I'm trying to think why would it be what everybody sees within a touchdown, like even closer than that. The Rams aren't good, well, but they have players. Like, if Morrow goes off and he even has only 85 yards, that's enough. That's all it takes. I think the one thing that the Lobos have for them is, like, they, they still have a, a good secondary. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's probably what it comes down to. It's like if that secondary can frustrate Millen, then it could be a, a little more of a, a slugfest than you might expect. Yeah, I, I could see it being that. I'm, I'd lean more toward a big victory. But the way the Rams have been playing, and say, let's say the Lobos do get a pass rush. And Millen, yeah, he completes 72%, but he's going like six yards a attempt or six yards a catch, where he's not going downfield at all. Then I, he can I see can tell you one that, thing, though. What? Uh, New Mexico is not scoring 23 points. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Have they scored 23 all year? No, they've scored 23 at least once or twice this year. Yes. Okay. 
<laughs> you brought you brought up that number specifically where I felt it meant something more more important. Well, that was Why, that was what, from uh, that was from the advanced stats preview. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I see. Yeah, they, they I mean, I think 40... I feel like I've said that exact phrase for like three or four weeks in a row, and I haven't been wrong yet. Um, Rams twenty four, Lobos seven. I'll go thirty to ten Rams. All right then. Next game, evening game after whatever you do Friday, Black Friday shopping, if that's your thing. 7 p.m. Pacific, 8 Mountain, Wyoming at Fresno State. This, for me, is likely one of the best games of the weekend, top two. Fresno is a monstrous 16-point favorite, Matt. Why are your Bulldogs over a two-touchdown favorite against a defense that's really good? It's an interesting question because it's it, almost the exact same kind of situation that we just talked about with uh, with Boise State and Utah State. Well, you know, yeah. Neither team necessarily has much to play for. So while this is going to be the last hurrah at, Bull, at Valley Children's Stadium for guys like you know Jay Hayner, Jordan Mims, there's like you know 20 seniors that are going to be playing their last home game in front of the Red Wave. But again, you still got a championship game to play for. So how much run are those guys going to get against a Wyoming against a Wyoming team that you know threw everything it had against a pretty good Boise State team last week weren't able to get the job done, but might still have although I guess it depends because you know, if they're trying to keep Titus one fresh for the postseason, like how much might we see guys like DeWine McNeely or DQ James instead? If Andrew Peasley isn't back to 100%, which I haven't seen anything about his status. Have you? Um, I have not. It's also, again, Tuesday evening. So that could change throughout the week. But obviously their quarterback last week going 3 of 16, three interceptions. Not ideal if you're going to want to beat a Fresno State team that could even against this one with defense, blink and put up 30 points. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything about Peasley's status, uh, you know, after being in concussion protocol last week. But I think if there's any doubt about his availability, that they might just play it safe yeah, and let him, recu- yeah. let him recuperate until the bowl game. So, you know, I think there's, you know, the, the same element is at play for both sides, but I think it it means something a little bit different for both sides because, you know, Fresno State has a, has a title game to prepare for. Wyoming might still have a few lingering health concerns that they want to be mindful of. You know, guys like Jordan Bergenwell have been sort of banged up down the stretch or Cole Godbout, who's missed five games in a row. Like, if he's still not 100% to be back, they might just hold him out to the bowl game too. Not a lot of injury concerns, but just enough that you might see the Cowboys play it safe at some point in the contest. Might I... I like what I want to see and what's going to happen is two different things. Because what do you want to see them? Well, I want to see a regular game full strength, and because this is one of the better matchups of the season for these two teams. You have a offense like Marino Copper, Jordan Ben, one of the most explosive offense in the conference, going up against a defense that's really good. What what probably two or three in the conference, even nationally, they're pretty good. Um, we see what the running game can do for Titus Swin and other guys on the uh, Wyoming attack. Fresno's offensive line's not elite, not uh, but yeah, I'll just go not elite. There could be a pass rush coming their way to get Hainer's face. I hope to see that type of play because yeah, it says fifteen points. That's a lot. 
I just don't know if I know Fresno could score, but I don't know if they'll be able to score typically what they wanted, what they can do because of how good this Wyoming defense is. So I think it'd be not a low scoring game, but I think it'll be sort of closer than 15 points. But I want to see these these teams as they go. Like I want to see Cropper being challenged. I want to see what Hayner can do if he's getting pressure in his face. I want to see if whoever DQ is running the ball or if you have a Titus Swen running the ball, what's going to happen? I want because the Fresno defense, there's. They can be had clearly, and I mean, has enough offense. I know it'll be a difference if Peasley's there or not because quarterback Pulaski was abysmal. But even with it being bad, they still had, he still had over what did he have over 200 yards last week versus Boise State? Titus Wend? Who, who's Wend? Yeah. Was it 212 or something like that? Yeah. So why can't he do that in this game? Like, he gets a first of defense that's not as good as Boise State. That's how I want to see, but I wonder what we will see because of teams are going to hold guys back possibly just because. Either health wise, which is legitimate. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, especially concussion stuff, which is severe. But Fresno, like they want to go to the Kimmel Bowl or they can go to the guaranteed rate bowl possibly that opens up because of Big Ten, Big Twelve bowl possibilities. But that's what Should I want to talk about that for a moment. Yeah. What what's the yeah, what do we got for the bowl situation? If they basically the loser of Boise Fresno might actually be in a really good spot. Yeah, so this this is courtesy of Kevin Richardson, who's the the radio analyst for San Jose State football. Um, you know, he sort of laid out in a little more detail some of the some of the secondary options that might come available. And so one of those is the guaranteed rate bowl out of Phoenix, which is normally, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's a game that's normally between the Big Ten and the Big 12, right? Correct. And the Mountain West has been there before. It's the old cheese bowl. Yeah. So what he noted was that if Ohio State makes it to the college football playoff and more immediately, if Michigan State loses this week to Penn State, what that would mean is that the Big Ten would be short one team for their allotment of, of bowls. And so the guaranteed rate in bowl in particular, the Mountain West is the primary backup. So if a, if that scenario plays out, it would probably be that whoever doesn't end up in the L.A. Bowl as the conference champion would end up in Phoenix against a Big 12 team instead. Yeah, and it's probably low to middle of the pack. It could be Kansas, possibly. They're bowl eligible. It wouldn't be the mm-hmm. best Big 12 team, but still be, like, honestly, like, you get some more money. You're not going to, like, no offense to, like, these group of five want to play, like, Big, you know I mean, Big 12, Pac-10, or Pac-12, mm-hmm. Big 10 schools. So if you look at the, at the Big 12, it's, Middle of the pack, and they depends too. If TCU makes the playoffs, I can make that could change a few things as well. It could be like I wouldn't mind playing like who wouldn't want to see like no joke, Matt Fresno State versus Baylor, Oklahoma State or Texas Tech. Who would not want to see that? Or Fresno, or you know I mean, Boise or Fresno versus either either of those three teams. You got Oklahoma, Kansas, also six wins. I'm not sure how the tiebreaker could work, but I'd kind of lean not toward Kansas. But who wouldn't want to go beat up on Oklahoma who's having a down year under Brent Venables first season? Who would want to play mm-hmm. against Dave Randa and Baylor, whose offense is really good, and you really beat TCU? Kansas technically has put up more points than, ba- than Baylor this overall, which is interesting. Not league, and I get that's that's weird. I didn't realize this. Kansas has more points than Baylor, and oh, sorry, one point less in league play, but a few more in non-conference play. That's shocking a bit to me. But a Big Twelve team go and beat Baylor. I, that's the number one opponent. Them or Oklahoma State, I think. Just because go beat the crap out of those teams and see what you can do. That's better than playing like App State's a good team. Marshall, I know, beat Notre Dame. We mentioned Middle Tennessee State. You can play a MAC team in that Boise uh, Potato Bowl, whatever it's called. But 
I would like to see. I think it's a decent chance a Mountain West team goes to that bowl game. So if if you're an enterprising Bulldogs or or Broncos fan, then you will probably want to be rooting for the Nittany Lions sometime this weekend. Exactly, and what helps too, your team wins because it, it's too. seven and five. Uh, if say Fresno State ends up seven and six, that's a hard sell. But if they are eight and five, same with Boise State, their record is slightly better, but like. It's also good. You want to have a good team there. Because also, mm-hmm. maybe, potentially, Wyoming could fit that spot, too, if they're 8 and 4. Just saying, if they were to win this game, if that's uh, that's clearly on the table, they, there's a potential they could go there at 8 and 4. That's true. So, what did advanced numbers say on this one? So, SP Plus does like Fresno State, give them a 76% win probability projected margin of 12.4. FAI also likes the Bulldogs by 9.3. And Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview gives Fresno State a 61.86 win probability, projected margin of about 30 to 26. Interesting. 34 points, that's it. Apparently so. I think, see, it's interesting for me because I think Wyoming's defense is good enough to hold them down, but they can't score enough, which is a clearly an issue if you can't score enough points, but I'm going to go. I think the under will hit on this one. It's 50 and a half. I think it'll be, I'll go 28, 20 for Fresno state. I think I would definitely take the under just because I'm, th- I'm forecasting some sort of like rest for, for both sides in there. Um, so, I mean, I would definitely take Wyoming in the points, but I'm going to take Fresno State to win a, a relatively close one. Uh, let's say 30 to 20. So barely take the under by half a point. <laughs> hey, it's still under. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now we go to Saturday, 1.30 p.m. Mountain, 12.30 Pacific. Is this a uh, – I don't see TV here. Hawaii at San Jose State. Is this a uh, one of the ma- few Spectrum – Team one sports. Team on Sports app, so get your phone, get your tablet out there. Spartans are a hefty 15-point favorite. They are bowl eligible. They will be – if they also, Spartans, as far as I know, the New, Me- New Mexico State game is not going to be remade, not going to be made up. So Spartans yeah, I haven't heard finish. anything about that. And also with the stuff going on at Albuquerque, University of Mexico, unfortunate shooting death on the morning, I think late night, early morning of the basketball game. Yeah. Their second set has been canceled as well, or postponed, I think, men's and women's. At least, I know both men's games have been, or not scheduled to be played. Women's side, I think they play one test, I could be played, I'm not sure. So, that's just something I just thought of right now. So, there's a lot going on in the state of Mexico, so that probably game's not going to be played. If it was, it'd probably be announced for next Saturday for title game weekend. That's the only option they had, so. But besides that, like, I, this game itself, Spartans want to go to their bowl game, which they're going somewhere. Again, like what what's what's the motivation for these games? That's kind of the theme of the weekend. This is not I know it's a Dick Tomey trophy, but it's not a huge rival. They play in the WAC before, obviously. They play every year in the Mountain West. For me on the Hawaii side, it's just a learning experience to try to get another one for Timmy Chang. For Spartans. Well, I mean it's it, it's honestly it's not just that. It's also that, at least in recent years, they, they, Hawaii has sort of had San Jose State's number. They've actually won, if I'm not mistaken, three games in a row in this series. 
So I think on the one hand, you know, if you're the Spartans, like, yeah, you might have most of your, you know, postseason scenario wrapped up at this point. But if you're playing to look better for for bowl committees, if you're playing to sort of improve your overall standing and thus your your postseason destination, then I think you have to look at the narrative first and foremost. This is Siobhan Cordero facing off against his old team. Oh, yeah, so, that too. And yeah, I forgot about that. And so I think what you're what you were looking at here is a story of a game where you know that. On paper, it should not look like Hawaii would be competitive in this game. But you might have said the same thing last week against UNLV, and look what they did. They have been better in the second half of the year by, you know, small margins here and there. We've also seen that, like, when San Jose State isn't firing on all cylinders, that they can let games get away from them. And so I think if you're a Spartans fan, you want to see them come out and, and come out swinging. I think you want to see them, you know, attack through the air, uh, a Hawaii pass defense that, you know, it has shown some capacity for you know, creating turnovers here and there, but especially in conference play has been the kind of unit that you can exploit, you know, in, in Mountain West action, they've given up a completion rate of 65.5%. Um, that I believe is next to last in the conference. Uh, the eight yards per attempt they've given up is definitely last in the conference and, you know, nine passing touchdowns against three interceptions. So like Cordero, if they give him the chance to like come out firing should on paper, be able to exploit this Hawaii secondary that has gone through a lot of shuffling itself throughout the course of the season. Um, you know, they're starting a, a, a true freshman, Peter Benuma and a sophomore, Mickey Peggy at both of their safety positions now. Um, so there, there's some growth there for the Warriors that can be had, but at the same time, it could also be like San Jose State runs away with those one quickly if they're motivated to do so. Yeah, there's, hmm, I see your point there. I'm just trying to, I, I don't want to say, cause it's lame to say every game, oh, they're not playing for anything, but there's things we want to see happen for both teams, right? Because it's another game to play football. It's like those teams, no teams are going to give up, Matt, right? Oh, no. They're not going to just roll over. Oh, we got a bowl game where we're losing and whatnot. But there is, like you enlightened me with the winning streak where I was like, wait, really? Three in a row? Spartans have some pretty good teams. I guess one of those would be the year, well, I mean, the title game as well, correct? I'm guessing in 2019? That is correct. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the game where neither team punted. Oh, let's get one of those out there again. Can we do that, please? Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, honestly, if you're if you're looking for betting history, like this is a game that I, I'm just looking at the final scores of the last four years in particular. Uh, you know, in in order. Oh no, I'm sorry. I was looking at this backwards. They've won two in a row. <laughs> I, I, my apologies to all the San Jose State fans out there. I was looking at the last five meetings, but it was chronologically from from 2021 backwards rather than the other way around. Um, they're yelling at you, Matt. Sorry. Yeah, they're probably yelling at me. So I just ruined somebody's travel right now. Um, <laughs> but I mean, but it all it has also been a game that has often been very competitive. Like none of those last four meetings have been decided by more than eleven points. So, you know, you're talking about you know two division winners in in, in or in a conference champion, like you mentioned in 2019 for Hawaii, in 2020 for San Jose, and so. 
you know, there's, I think, a lot more to play for than just pride. I, I think if you're San Jose State, you're looking to sort of maintain the upper hand. Yeah, they're the better team, too. That's regardless. That's why they're over two touchdown favorite. Yeah. I think Cordero light him up, going to Elijah Cooks. Again, for me, it comes back to Kyrie Robinson. He's going to run the ball well. I know it's a broken record. He could take my soundbite every week for the past probably 10 weeks of the season about him running the ball well. Um, but again, Hawaii, like, it's the same guys, Hawaii, Parsons, Bowen, like Schrager. Like, they've been Hawaii's. Yeah, they're 3 and 9, but they're not a terrible bottom feeder 3 and 19. They've been showing they've some grits here and there. Yeah, like the Wyoming game was but close. To, Utah State but to was close. To reinforce your point about Robinson, though, like this is still a front seven, a front six that should be beatable. Yeah. It's still an, a defense that, you know, has given up a stuff rate that's in the triple digits, you know, a sack rate that's in the triple digits, an opportunity rate, you know, running backs getting to the second level basically in the triple digits. So, like, they've gotten better. But, you know, this is like sort of the last crucible for what had been a, a mostly remade offensive line that has had its ups and downs this year. Um, but I think they're they're definitely going to want to go out on a, on a high note for their home teams, too. You're, you've got three seniors up front on the interior, Jamie Navarro, Anthony Pardue, Tyler Ostrom, who you know, I don't know their eligibility off the top of my head, but it might be their particular last home game for the home crowd as well. So... I think there's a lot there's a lot of uh of sort of personal stakes, I think, for San Jose State. In the same way that we talked about with Boise State, there's a very veteran laden team here, too, that the Spartans have. Like we haven't even mentioned Kate Hall and, and guys like that. Kyle Harmon, oh, cool, yeah. those guys are definitely gonna be playing their last games. Um so I think there's maybe more so for a team like San Jose State, which is sort of writing the, the last part of its chapter of a, of, of a team that's sort of, I would sort of cemented its, its rise back to com- competitiveness at this point, you know, those guys yeah. on both sides of the ball who have had big hands and making that happen. I can't imagine like their situation is going to be the same as like, for instance, Fresno State and Jake Hainer, where like, if things look like they're wrapping up one way or the other, they're probably not going to hesitate to take Hainer out of the game and let him rest for the championship game. Like Kate Hall is probably going to be playing the entire game. I oh yeah, he wants to get a couple of sacks. TFLs get back there. Exactly. And, like what do the advanced numbers say? I know where they're all leaning to San Jose State. Clearly, uh, that would be correct. Uh, SP Plus likes the Spartans ninety percent win probability, projected margin of twenty one point eight. Um, FEI also likes the Spartans by 20.8 and Parker Fleming, his advanced test preview gives the Spartans a 71.26% win probability projected margin of about 28 to 20. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, I think I would definitely take Hawaiian points, but I just don't know if they have enough firepower or, or enough on defense to to keep the Spartans from running wild on offense. So I think it'll it'll probably be a relatively competitive game, but I do think the Spartans are probably going to win pretty comfortably. I'm going to say 38-24. to 24. I think it'll be a little bit lower scoring, but the difference will be there. I'm going to go 30-10 to 10 San Jose State. All right, then. Nevada at UNLV, 3 Pacific. 
Mountain West Network game, Matt. How is this game not on TV somewhere? You're telling me there's more important games than the largest trophy in college football on the line? Apparently so. I haven't seen anything. Like, I wonder if they're doing it on that uh, that Las Vegas local network that they did it earlier this year. Oh. That, what was it? The Silver... Silver Screen or something? Silver Sports? I'll look it up in just a minute because I, I'm trying to... I, I see the acronym on the game notes, but it's listed as S-S-S-E-N. So if you're a Las Vegas yeah, resident or thereabouts... So, Silver Sports Entertainment Network is that's what that is. There you go. So if you're local, that's where you're looking. If you're anywhere else on the mainland... Mountain Mountain West Network. All right. So the biggest trophy in the line. And so um, I know you UNLV is a 12 and a half point favorite, but how devastated are they to not go to bowl game and getting punked by Hawaii last week? That has to play into this game. Has to. So without getting too much into it, have you, have you listened to the, to the most recent split zone duo? Their preview show. No, no, no. The Patreon episode that they dropped earlier today. Uh, let me look at my podcast. I've listened to it today. Um, did they talk about the Rebels and Marcus Arroyo? Very briefly. And I don't, re- and, I don't and, recall. And, no, and I, I saw, must not. Have... I saw Stephen. I saw Stephen mentioned elsewhere. Like if if we're going to transcribe his work, he's going to send an invoice. So I'm not going to do that. What? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you exactly hey, what he said. We, me, you and me both pay for this. So come on. This is this is true, but our listeners <laughs> might not, and they should. Yeah, it's only five dollars. It. It's only five dollars. It. Uh, Ten dollars if you want, you know, a little Best more, questions. a little more activity. Uh, but long, long story short, they had a discussion about the rebels, and you can probably surmise how they were sort of portraying things uh, because it was mostly the same as they talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. How much pressure is Marcus Arroyo under to win this game? I would say, let's. Just, there's two ways to look at this. If they were tip a typical, not typical, but let's say the, like, there's two ways to look at the season. It depends how you look at what lens you want to focus on. If they were just four and seven, which they factually are, well, let me back up one more. It's always a must win for either either team, right? Let's go start there. Yes, that's it's the always, correct answer. But continue. So I'm just saying, like, if we want to take one big step backwards, giant. Yes, it's always want to win. If they were what Rebels have been the past couple of years, and they're four and seven, not a bowl game in sight, and a bowl game wasn't expected and wasn't able to be earned in the past couple of weeks, it would still be a must win, but not important. However, the way the season has unfolded, I know there's injuries to Doug Brumfield, and that goes to like on Twitter we talked in the recap show about how yeah they should be bowl eligible. It's a disappointment. Their schedule was very manageable, missing the tough teams from the uh, Mountain Division, arguably one of the worst West Divisions in a long time. Because even though Fresno State's really good with injuries, they were beatable, and they almost had them, almost beat Fresno State with with uh, uh, Jay Kaner back there, 37-30. There's immense pressure to get this game, partly because there's a new athletic director that didn't hire him as well. That's Prince right, Wong, and, it's at, and it's at home. Yeah, and it's at home where you have won twice this year. Well, I guess it's half your games. Three games, sorry. They'd be Idaho State. But also, expectations from early in the year were kind of hyped up where they're scoring. Like we mentioned back in week two or week one, whatever, week zero recap, preview stuff. Fifty. I don't care. 50 points is 50 points. They, they don't do it. They put up 50 points for North Texas. They beat Utah State when we thought they were really good. Utah State has turned it on. They 
beat New Mexico, who we felt they should beat. But then they just had injuries, and the Spartans' loss was dismal. The Air Force' loss was dismal. Notre Dame was a bat was a the difference was big, but there were some closer than final score a little bit with I believe like a punt for touchdown or a sack for touchdown, a couple stops where Notre Dame took advantage and scored easy points. But it wasn't necessarily out of hand, even though it was a twenty-three point game. They were close. They've been close against good teams, and then they lay an egg versus Hawaii, where they should have won. So there's a lot. I would say there's a lot of pressure. Not me listening to what Godfrey said, everything. But I'm betting there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, and but here's the thing, though. Like the the injuries in particular are really not an excuse anymore. No, you, I mean your best maybe, player maybe was to, out. Maybe, a to little some, bit. maybe to some extent, you know they 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 have recently undergone a little bit of an offensive line shuffle, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, the right tackle, Tiger Shanks, who had started most of the year, you know, has missed the last two games. They've started a, a, a totally new guy out there, Brandon Logan. At left tackle, they kicked over David McDaniel to right tackle. You know, he had been on the on the left side all year long. Same thing with Amani Trigg right on the inside. But, you know, at the same time, Jeffrey Weimer's back. Kyle Williams has been back for a little while. Doug Brumfeld's been back for almost a month now. Um, you know, on defense, you know, it's even less of an excuse. Like Ricky Johnson is back. So, I mean, really what this Rebels team needs to do, they, they need to get back to creating explosive plays at the same rate that they were earlier in the year. And against a Nevada defense that in they've, they've given up nine plays, or excuse me, They've given up 18 plays. I was looking at the wrong tab. 18 plays of 20 or more yards in two November games. Yeah. Conversely, UNLV has played in, you know, three games this month, 13 such plays from scrimmage. And and they were, you know, below that in October when they were dealing with injuries. And then they led the conference, let's not forget, with 26 plays in August, September, their first five games, you know, that's slightly over five per game for those who don't feel like doing the math. There's really no excuse for them to not be able to get back to that, even against a Nevada Wolfpack secondary that, you know, they've slipped a little bit in terms of their ability to get their hands on the football, but they haven't lost it completely. Like, you know, Bentley Sanders can still get back there and make a big play. So can Tyson Williams and, and guys like that. But it seems, again, on paper, UNLV should have the upper hand here, but should is carrying a lot more weight than you might have expected a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So what do you think? So we go to Nevada side, Matt. Like, what are the, I know besides them playing for Pride, they don't have much out there. Like, you mentioned what. We want to see from UNLV's offense, but can, what about Nevada's offense? Nate Cox has shown a little bit more, right? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that Illinois was going to be the guy down the stretch, though, or at least that's what I thought a couple of weeks ago. Well, Ken Wilson likes to go back and forth, back and forth. Uh, when you look at what Nevada did last week, they Fresno, Boise, said like their schedule, like. When we go back to the pressure thing, like UNLV and Nevada's schedule, both have been brutal the past second half of the year. Like, it's wild. Nevada's lost nine in a row, but then, like, the last four Aztecs, Spartans, Broncos, Bulldogs, very difficult stretch. I, 
don't they don't like their quarterback play has been garbage. Running back play's been okay with Toatala, seven hundred sixty seven yards, ten TDs, one of the bright spot spots. BJ is still despite the QB play not being great, him and Del Delvin Campbell, they excuse me, they live oh geez, Campbell, sorry, I can't speak tonight. Quarterback play being bad and the receivers are still doing okay with what's being thrown their way. They don't throw the ball over very often, which is interesting. Only six picks, Matt. I didn't realize it's that few on the year. You'd think it'd be a lot more, but also they have six touchdowns <laughs> passing. So it's not good. They're not completing the ball very well. It doesn't seem to matter who's under quarterback because they've been losing every game since week two. So you're right, but like, hey, Ellingworth Cox. Yeah, and I mean, and, and unlike unlike the Rebels slide, it, it hasn't always been like close game luck either. Like they did have the one touchdown loss to San Jose State. It did have the three-point loss to Colorado State, but for the most part, like, yeah, this is not a Wolfpack team that has been terribly competitive all that often. But I think if if they're gonna find a way to hang on to the it? Fremont Cannon, it's gonna start on the ground. It's gonna start with Toa Tawa and Devontae Lee because the one thing that the Rebels have struggled, I, I would say, most with down the stretch is they've been getting lit up by running games down the stretch. You know, you're talking about an offense, and, and I'm trying to find the right topic. And, you know, you're talking about, first of all, a Nevada offense that had one of its best rushing performances of the year, despite the fact that they got blown out last week by the Bulldogs. But they averaged over four yards carry for the first time since September. Really? And and against a Rebels defense that has that on that on the one hand has been very good about getting to the quarterback, you know the the Rebels' sack rate is in the top forty seven point four percent, but their opportunity rate is one hundred and twenty fourth. Their stuff rate is one hundred and eleventh, which makes me think that if Nevada wants to try and win this game their way, you know limiting possessions, not necessarily taking a ton of risks in the passing game, and trying to pound the ball between the tackles. They there there might be an avenue to do it. Okay. We'll see. I don't. It's not very big, right? We'll we'll, we'll see. Because, like I said, I don't. I'm not saying like one week is proof of concept, but I'm saying last week was the first time in a while that we'd seen it. You know that we'd seen that element of the game be at least moderately productive. Interesting. And and it could very well be against this rebels front. Yeah. I... I don't know, man. I'm still. I mean, I'm not me. saying you have to. I'm not saying you have to buy in, but I'm just. I'm just saying. No, like I'm the path is the path is there. Like rebels are flawed. They've been played bad, so it wouldn't surprise me. Rivalry game we've seen. This game good overtime. Weird things happen. Where's that punch in the stand where the guy gets swung the helmet a couple years ago? A lot of stuff that could happen in this game that could be weird on and off the field. Exactly. I. I can't. I don't have confidence you it'll be despite them being the better team. I'm still gonna. I still pick them to win, but it's gonna be close. This might be close, like within ten points. I think it'll be wins reasonably comfortably. Not well, not comfortably, but they'll be ahead the whole game, but just kind of just eke it out at the end, like winning by about ten points. That's where I'm leaning. Okay. And and interestingly enough, I think the advanced stats are sort of in that same neighborhood. Uh, SP plus does like the rebels. 79% win probability, projected margin of 13.9. Uh, FEI also likes the Rebels by 8.2. And Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview a little closer than you might expect. 
UNLV with a 58.19% win probability projected margin, 29 to 26. Interesting. What do you, you think? You like UNLV, though. I do. Yeah, I got you. I'll real quick. UNLV 30, Nevada 20. I think they'll get 20 <laughs> points somehow. I think if I think if Nevada's I think I think if UNLV is going to win this one, they're going to have to earn it. I think it's going to be very close, but I do think they'll pull it out. I've got the Rebels winning twenty-seven to twenty-four. Okay. All right. Final game of the weekend: Air Force at San Diego State. CBS Sports Network, where the Aztecs belong, six Pacific. Nothing super late. Air Force is a point and a half favorite. Does that sound right to you? Because I was like, eh, the way Jalen Maiden's been playing, I don't know, man. I mean, both of these teams have been playing sort of at the top of their game recently, have they not? They've both been playing well, yeah. Air Force, they beat up, they beat Army, they got the CIC award. I know they lost the three conference games, but look what they've been doing recently. They've won three in a row, four or five. Yeah, four or five. Um, crushed it. But also it helps if you're Air Force, just as an aside. You beat up New Mexico and CSU. That can help a lot of things if you're not playing extremely well. Not that they weren't. Well, and but... what's what's sort of interesting about this game in particular, going back to you know the conversation about bowls in particular, is that you know we we've talked about the LA Bowl. Obviously, that's that's likely where the championship team is going to go. We've talked about the guaranteed rate bowl, where if things break their way, that's probably where the runner up is going to go. But with this game in particular. With both teams having played the way that they have been recently, you know, San Diego State could be an eight-win team by by the end of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Air Force could be a nine-win team. And I think this might make a good juncture to talk about the team that in that guaranteed rate scenario would be this would be the third pick among the group is the Arizona Bowl. Interesting. So, so if that scenario plays out, it'd be LA Bowl first, guaranteed bowl second, Arizona Bowl third, and then the other bowls in within the conference: Potato, New Mexico, Hawaii, and you know whichever other one someone gets sent to would be among the rest of that group. Is sort of negotiated in that in that murky backroom dealing kind of way that benefits ESPN. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I do think that you know both teams have plenty to play for because if they want to you know, be a more attractive draw for that next tier, more for that next bowl up, you know, that I think is a scenario where you do want to come out and put your best foot forward and and see your stars sort of play at the top of their game one last time. Oh, this definitely will. You'll see Brad Roberts, is he Daniels, is John Eldridge healthy, Jalen Maiden, Sh- Shavers out there. You have, but like, it's weird to say, but this game could have a lot of offensive firepower. It really could. I mean, like you, you jest, yeah. but it's sort of true. No, like, I'm not it, kidding. It, this is not me joking. I'm being 100% real. So I'm going to, so, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with some hard data real quick to sort of reinforce that point. Offensive success rate, which is something that, you know, Parker Fleming in, in his advanced test preview sort of includes for, for offense and defense. So everybody's already well versed. Air Force runs the ball. They're very good at it generally, right? Wait, hold, wait, you sure? Um, <laughs> yeah, typically. Uh, their offensive success rate on the ground, 13th in the country, 46.4%. So that's pretty good, right? Yes, I would say so. San Diego State on offense, 
their passing success rate is up to 32nd, or excuse me, 31st in the country, 43.2. So they actually are not that far behind. And in terms of their ability to create quality possessions, you know, what, what, what Parker Fleming calls the echo ratio, you know, Air Force still has the advantage in terms of their, you know, ability to just, you know, turn, you know, matriculate the ball down the field. Like their echo ratio is sixth in the country, 61%. But the Aztecs aren't that far behind. Like they're above 50% themselves, you know, 57th overall. And a lot of that has to do with how Maiden has played down the stretch. Like I'm, I'm interested in sort of looking back at where, the Aztecs were by that same metric, maybe midway through the season. If you want to vamp for a second, I, I would yeah. like to look that up. Yeah. So we look at the, like the offense side. The main thing for me, like like going to offensive firepower, part of it comes down to Air Force running games as well. Clearly, a couple passes downfield. It's going to come to which is shocker to say Aztecs running attack, Matt, where they've been just okay with Bird with with um, Chance Bell back there. That could be a set if they can get that going. This game, that forty-four mat, whoosh, drop a bomb in there, it's going to explode like almost sixty, perhaps. The, these when these two teams play, there's there could be points like they've when they play. I don't think they played last year. I'm trying to remember, I don't recall. But my offensive thing, my offensive is going to stand because Brad Roberts. They did. They did he, play last year. San Diego State okay. won on the road. Okay. Point being, but I think it's going to be one way the offense there can be a lot is if the if the Aztecs rushing game is if their leading rusher gets eighty yards, it's not your quarterback. Then we'll know there'll be there'll be points on the board. I think. Okay, so so to, to revisit what I mentioned a minute ago about uh, echo ratio in particular, so I looked it up, and so at the end of September, so after five games going into the Hawaii game on October eighth. The Aztecs were 114th in echo ratio, 38%. Okay. And I believe that was the first game that Maiden started. So, like, their ratio has improved from 38 to above 50%, which is not insignificant in terms of their ability to just move the ball more consistently. So what does that exactly mean besides consistently? Like, what is... What else is there to it? I, I mean, echo ratio is based, and, and he, I hope he doesn't listen to this and <laughs> hear wrong about this. But the idea being, like, the echo ratio is just a way of, of measuring how often you're giving yourself a chance to succeed. Okay, that just means you're a well balanced offense, in my opinion, for those parts, or you're yeah. really good in one area, I guess. Well, I mean, I mean, there's more than one way to do it. Like, Air Force, of course, just does it on the ground, but you know, yeah, you. But I mean, if you're if you're an effective pass-heavy team, then you you can do the same thing. It's just productive drives in a game, basically, which I think is defined by I forget the exact definition. Um, I can look that up too in a moment if you want to vamp for another second. Yeah, well, it's just let's look at defense for a minute. Well, I'll let you look up. We'll come back to it. We look at defense for this game. We all know Aztecs defense is well, that's pretty good. Okay, that's very simple to say. But when we, when we look at what these what this defense can do against Air Force offense, it's all the same. It's what what am I going to say? I can vamp and say, oh, I just stop the triple option to run attack, blah blah blah. It's explosive plays. It's it's always what it is when you play Air Force. Give them four yards. Give them five yards. Don't let Hazik Daniels or Brad Roberts go for average seven plus yards per play. And when you look at what the Aztecs are rushing defense can do, I know it's a different 
beast and animal when you're going up against this type of rushing defense. So you can't compare, oh, just because Aztecs are whatever, they're second in the conference, I believe, excuse me, fourth in the conference, my bad, that's non-conference, and yards per play allowed. Yeah, that's great. They don't give give up big plays, but you're not playing Air Force every week who can get 200 yards on literally five carries if they wanted to or six carries at times. So when yeah, that's you, the big area they want to stop, and that's tricky. Yeah, you know what, though? You know what, though? They've been doing it. They've been doing it. They did it last year. That's true. They held nope. so they so last year's matchup I think is sort of instructive in that the Aztecs held the Falcons to exactly four yards of carry and only one touchdown in what was a six point win for San Diego State. And to narrow that focus a little further, that was the one game in Brad Roberts' three year career with the Falcons. It was it was his worst overall performance in in three years as a fullback. Seven carries. 27 yards. Hmm. And and while I would say that asking them to do exactly that again is a very big ask, you know, I think it's fair to say that like teams that have been able to limit Roberts this year, it's probably not a coincidence that the two times he's run for less than 100 yards are two of the three games that Air Force has lost this year at Wyoming, home versus Boise State. Interesting. So maybe maybe it sounds simplistic, but I do think like you know when you stop the fullback dive, you give yourself that much better of a chance to win the game. And I think you know San Diego State hasn't played at quite the same defensive level as they did last year, but it also would not surprise me if they managed to do that because you know they've been excellent against the run. You know they're they're only giving up three point seven five yards per carry on the year. You know, they've been above average in terms of like their ability to create havoc 32nd overall in the country with a 20.4% stuff rate. And it's been that sort of group effort. So it's not like the Falcons with, with their elite offensive line are going to be able to focus on one guy, you know, one on one drive, it might be like Garrett Fountain making a big play on another drive. It might be Michael Shawcroft. And so they're going to have to be ready for a San Diego state defense. that's going to be willing to attack them to, to stop the run. Yeah, it's this game. It, I think what it will come down to, like we know both, we're sitting here about week 12. We know what both teams can do. I think a little bit of wild card is Jalen Maiden. Can he have a big game that he's been having the past couple weeks? Because Aztecs have been more passing than rushing, obviously, for at least half the season. And so I think if we're looking at the big keys, it's if, obviously the running game for Aztecs, if we can go in, it's helpful. But I wonder, can Air Force get to the quarterback? Can they make Maiden a comfortable? I think that might actually be the key because if Maiden is slowed down, Aztecs have shown this year they don't have a backup option for the running game, which has obviously been their strength for the past decade plus. So I think that's how Air Force is going to win this game, if they can do that. Can they pick him off? Can they cause pressure? Scramble? Who cares if he gets 50 yards rushing? He's not not, going to beat him by getting four runs for 50 yards or six for 50 with the two sacks or something against him. I mean, I think it's going to be a really good test, too, for Air Force's defensive front against the San Diego State offensive line that's steadily improved over the course of the, over the year. You know, they, they got a little more explosiveness out of the ground game that was that was missing for long stretches this year. They've done a great job of protect, protecting Maiden for the most part. But I think, you know, the Air Force, on the other hand, sort of solved their pass rushing questions, at least for one week 
last week, you know, we mentioned Vince Sanford and his four sacks. But I think the other thing that is going to be really sort of an X factor for both sides in this game is whether or not Air Force can get their hands on the football in the passing game. Because, you know, on the season and in conference play, the Falcons are dead last in the conference in terms of just total passes defended. You know, the the, the difference between them and UNLV, both of whom have, have 36 passes defended, the Rebels have 13 interceptions. Air Force only has seven. Hmm. And a lot of that work has been done by like one or two guys. Like Camby Goff at safety has been great this year with, you know, I believe he has three interceptions, nine pass breakups. But other than that, nobody else on the team has more than three PBUs. And so I do think like if Maiden gets a chance to stretch the field, you know, a handful of times in this game that it could be what we've seen from Jesse Matthews, from Tyrell Shavers, and most recently, Makai Shaw. Like, those guys can do damage down the field if the Falcons aren't careful. Yeah, no, I agree 100% that could be an issue. So what do we, what do you, like, what's your key for this game to win either way? I mean, it really is going to come down to offensive efficiency. Like, we know that Air Force has it, but can they assert themselves against an Aztec's defense that that historically has sort of bedeviled them? Conversely, as you said, a lot of it's going to come down to Maiden and having sort of one last quality performance. You know, in terms of, and, and maybe to circle back to, you know, the echo ratio for just a moment, because I realized I didn't give you the exact definition. It's okay. And an echo, like I said, is just a quality possession which Parker Fleming defines as a big play touchdown, or if an, if a team gets a first down inside the opponent's 40-yard line. Okay. So, so if San Diego State can continue to narrow that gap with what Air Force has basically been doing all season long, then you've got a very competitive game on your hands. But it could unfold in any number of ways, which is why I think even if on paper neither of these teams would have much to play for, it's still it's still a very interesting contrast of styles, but it has a few new wrinkles this time around that you wouldn't have expected. Yeah, it's it is sure just the way the teams are playing a bit. So, what are the advanced numbers? Say? Like, what's their projected scores? So, uh, SP Plus does like Air Force. They give them a sixty four percent win probability projected margin of six. FEI also likes the Falcons by ten point six, and uh, Parker Fleming his advanced stats preview gives Air Force. 50.14% win probability, yeah. projected margin of basically 27 to 27. Sounds about right. They're, they're, they're separated by five hundredths of a, of a projected point. Who, so who are you taking then? Which absolutely sounds about right. Um, I'm going to take Air Force in this one. Okay. I do think it's going to be a very competitive game but I like the Falcons to win and cover going to be very close though. 21 to 20. I'm going to make some Aztec friends and say San Diego state 28, 24. All right. I'm going full Aztec on this one. Maiden's going to have a big game. They're going to slow down air force just enough. And air force is going to lose another close conference game. Oh, they're going to, they're going to hate that. I, I mean, they have the commander in chief's trophy, but they're going to hate that. I know, I'm just saying. Air Force and Aztecs, 
low-key rival, I think, a good good matchup all the time when they play. Exactly. Yes. They made the title game, what, 2017, I want to say? They played 2015. 2015. Oh, geez, that's almost a decade. Yikes. But yeah, that'll be an interesting game. That's that's one of the better ones of the weekend. So stay up, not late, but just uh, keep your Saturday evening open. Your Friday, your day off, just do other stuff and just tune in these games on Saturday and Friday. Do what you can to watch games. Watch your team and take at least one or two other Mountain West games. So that's yeah, my goal. Yeah, you got, you'll you'll have your turkey leftovers. Just you know, throw it between a you know pair of slices of bread, a little bit of mayonnaise. You're all set. You got this. There you go. All right. Week 12 recap, or excuse me, not recap. What's that? Week 13 as well. My bad. I'm looking the wrong week here. We're week 13. MWR.com. Bull stuff has come out this week. Title game next week. It'll be exciting time. So watch these, watch your team play. It's going to be my tears rolling down my side for some teams last game for the season. But you know what, Matt? The off season sometimes just as fun as a regular season. Just saying. It's always, it, there's always stuff going on. So anything else you to add for wrapping moment. up? Yeah. Every, every moment. moment. Every game, every moment, other games you can watch too. So that's it this week, and we'll see you in a couple days. And have a great Thanksgiving, folks.